power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Technica podcast feed. The man of tomorrow is here for a little something. You know what? I feel terrible because <laughs> I didn't explain this ahead of time. But I want to do something where basically it's a show. We just talk about whatever the fuck is going on, you know, because I things are just so off the rails these days. You know, I, I, I think you kind of need that. And I am being joined here by none other than Mrs. Ellen Sovereign. Woo. Woo. And. I think I'm running with calling this like Sovereign Tech X, you know, and it just the X at the end means anything fucking goes, you know, and we just let it ride. So that, that's the idea with this series in the Sovereign Technica podcast feed is just get behind the mics, you know, and, and just just make it happen. Talk about what is going on. You know? I like surprises. Yeah, right. You know, and so <laughs> I certainly laid one on you here. I've been thinking about this actually for a couple of weeks at least, um, because we, you and I, had been planning to record for a while, um, and you know, I want that to happen more often, um, and you know, just 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 see where it goes, and have a good time with it. It's it's sovereign tech with an X at the end. You know? <laughs> extra special. Extra special, and you certainly are. So. <laughs> <laughs> So Thank let, you. Yes. So let's talk about what's been going on. Um, oh boy, May has been a hell of a month. Um, of course, you are just the most incredible wife in, in the universe. Um, and, and you give me like a birthday month. <laughs> so You've done the same for me. Well, sure. <laughs> but, you know, um, we, we've been attending a lot of things. Go ahead. What do you yeah, got? Yeah, it has been a busy month. Yes. Celebrating your, your birth month. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, boy, what what's the most recent? Oh, well, we saw we saw uh, uh, Fast and the Furious 10. We saw the latest Fast and the Furious. Just uh, yesterday. Yes. And, um, boy, that that was a hell of a thing. We, we don't have to deep dive on that right now if we don't want. Um, but what, what, what did you... So you, you, myself, and Rob, we all went and saw it. Uh, I think Rob gave it a 6.5 out of 10. What what were you feeling on that? Yeah, I agreed with Rob. I think 6.5 out of 10. But if there... I don't know if I'm giving anything away here, but let's Go just say it. if they had succeeded in destroying the Vatican, it would have easily brought the score up to a 7. <laughs> yeah. Possibly an 8. Could have been an 8. Uh, I mean, you kind of get in the credits... I don't mean an credit scene. I mean a sequence. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I was I, I was giving it a seven. I mean, I'll probably deeper dive on it in another episode. Uh, I agree with you on the Vatican thing. Um, I mean, my thought was it's nowhere near as good as eight. I don't even think it's as good as nine. But it's certainly setting up for the next couple of films. And now we understand it's not just going to be ten, and, or it's not just going to be eleven there's going to be a 12 as well, uh, apparently. So, I don't know, it depends on the money that this one does. Um, so this is the beginning of the end for right, the franchise. Right, The, what is it, the, or the end of the road begins, I think was the tagline for it. So, but Vin Diesel is saying, no, this is going to be the end of the franchise. Like, it needs to get wrapped up. 
Uh, he even compared it to Tolkien. He said, there's a point where Tolkien stopped writing. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, so we'll see what, what ends up happening. Um, but I'll just put that out there that this is not the weakest film in the franchise, uh, but it's certainly the weakest as late. But I still had a lot of fun, still enjoyed it. Uh, it's still worth seeing. Uh, we just got to see the conclusions here. Hope, and hopefully we get those uh, before the world ends or who knows what. So anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of other movies, I mean, we could talk about the other things that, that we've we've done lately. But uh, speaking of other movies, let, 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 let's get into this, because I know you've got you. You wanted to get behind the mic. You had things you wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I always do, and that's why I keep pestering you about letting me on the show. But at the same time, this is a conversation that you've wanted to have as well. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so, speaking of movies, to about two weeks ago, as of this recording, they finally released a, well, I guess it's still a teaser trailer. It's so hard to fucking say, because now what they do is two days or even a week before the tra teaser trailer comes out, they do a teaser of the teaser, and so what the fuck do you even call things anymore? Anyway, we have Dune Part 2 finally coming out. I think it's coming out November 3rd of this year, 2023. Uh, that date could change. Certainly the first movie's date changed often. Um, but a couple weeks ago, they came out with a two and a half minute or so teaser trailer uh, for the new Dune film. Now, you and I went and saw, of course, you know, we, we saw the first Dune movie, or, or Dune Part 1, of Villeneuve, Denise Villeneuve's uh, uh, Dune. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I, I had my problems with it. But anyway, Dune Part 2 is coming out. Now, let me ask you first. There's a bigger conversation to be had here, and it has to do with the books. Okay. Uh, but let me ask you what you saw of the teaser trailer for Dune Part 2. What, what did you think? Do you have thoughts on that? Did, did it excite you for the movie? What do you got? Yeah, so the, I mean, the biggest impression I got was that they really are excited to share with everyone the worm riding sequence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I, I get it. That's, you know, probably one of the most visually stunning parts of the movie. Right. Um, but they also showed some very significant scenes but they were like very fast cut scenes. Yeah. And, and you could, like, I didn't even register what I was looking at until several seconds after I saw it. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like after seeing that, it, I, I'm just hoping this is not a reflection of the movie itself. Right. Because there are some very important things that need to happen in the story in the second part of Dune. And if they're only proportionally giving it as much attention in the movie as they did in the trailer, then it's not going to be a true Dune story. But mm -hmm. I feel like they're, you know, they had some of the, the major pieces there. Like, I think I saw the water of life. Yep. Yeah. I think that was, yeah, that was yeah. shown. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, as far as trailer, like it didn't excite me for the film. Like I, I didn't feel necessarily jazzed up for, you know, for the, for the next movie. Uh, I guess I agree with you. There's a lot of things within it, and I'm sure there's YouTubers who have completely broken the shit down, and, oh, and this is this, and this is this, and good for them. Um, but my only hope is, because I saw a lot of it, and I'm like, wait, what was that? What was that? What was that? I think I knew what most of it was. But my hope is that this movie is going to be very weird, and that the quick shots we get in this trailer are indicative 
that, oh yeah, they're going to go into strange territory. But they might not. They might keep it very placid. My, my number one concern with the first Dune film by Villeneuve was that it wasn't weird enough. Like They, they didn't explain anything. Um, yeah, and they really tried to normalize Paul and his yes. family. Yeah, and they're not norm. They're not a normal family. They're no. a royal family, and they're incredibly wealthy. Right. And Paul has specialized teachers, and he's supposed to be this like incredibly intelligent person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and in the movie, they kind of paint him as this average teenager. Mm -hmm. What <laughs> you know? That's not what he is at all. No. Right. Right. He is supposed to be strange and different. Yes. Yeah. Odd. Very odd. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I'm kind of curious because one of the things that the trailer really concentrated on, which is fitting for it to concentrate on, this isn't some kind of, you know, not that I, I mean, I'm fine with, you know, feminism, you know, uh, here and there. Like, you know, you just, you have so many, so many cultural critics who complain, oh, it's this feminist bullshit or it's this, it's the message, it's the whatever that they've got to get out there. No, concentrating on Princess Irulan, which I think that trailer really did, um, makes complete sense. She's in many ways the narrator, at least of kind of the first trilogy or the first part or, you know, of the of, you know, Dune, uh, uh, Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, yes, Irulan should be doing a ton of talking and she does in this trailer. Uh, but she's also very weird. You know, she, she's also, I mean, she, she's a trained Bene Gesserit, right? I mean, like, there's, there's, there's so much, I guess I'm kind of hoping you get some of that. Like, the weirdness needs to get spread around. Um, and I think that's a great point that you brought up that I, I haven't really heard a lot of commentators talk about. But part of that is due to most of these people don't even read the books, you know? Or if they do, they only read the first one. Maybe. Um Another thing, the trailer did show off a lot of Zendaya, which was another major criticism of the first movie, was the way that the marketing campaign around the first film uh, was done. You would think Zendaya was, like, the hero of the story. Like, that she was the big deal, and she was barely in the film, not even five minutes. Uh, so it seems like they're trying to rectify that a bit, which, okay, whatever. Um, nothing wrong there. Uh, but I think... Do, do you have any other thoughts you want to share on that? No, continue. Yeah, I think that... The, the problem of nobody reading the books really speaks to what you want to speak to, uh, or at least I, I think it's pointing in that direction. Now, I had talked about in a Q&A recently, um, and, and I basically said that, or here was my comment. I said, or the, kind of the conclusion I came to, I said, whoever's making something Dune-related, or if they're making like the Dune movie or a Dune TV series or whatever the fuck they're doing, in this case, it's Denise Villeneuve, who's very talented as a director and writer. Um, I want to sit him down and say, do you have the intention of making God Emperor of Dune into a movie? And if they either go glassy-eyed, or they say, what the fuck is that? Or they say, no, I have no intention of doing that. I say, fuck you. Like, then, then you don't get it. Like, you don't understand and not only do you not understand, you're never going to get across what the first book is uh, uh, implicitly saying, perhaps not so explicitly. And that's that's really really key. You know, like I don't think you can understand Frank Herbert's works without God Emperor of Dune. How do you feel about that statement, Ellen? As somebody who has 
you know, read, read those works hardcore. Yeah, so I think there are plenty of people who have read the first book of Dune, mm -hmm. um, and I think that book sales can reflect that. Like, yeah, you, sure. You go into Barnes and Noble, and there's all new print editions of Dune. You know, they have new covers and everything. Um, and I think a lot of people have made it through the first book, if not maybe the second one. Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely the numbers drop off if you, as you get onward in the series. Yeah. Um, and as far as whether or not you can understand Frank Herbert's work just by reading the first one, I think the message essentially is there, but it's a foundation um, and that book is really foundational leading up to the God Emperor book. Mm -hmm. um, so you can kind of get the gist of what he's trying to say from reading Dune, but that, I mean, y you have to have this perspective of, like, he's writing a story that takes place over millennia. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that happens in Paul Atreides' lifetime. Right. It's something that takes place over thousands of years. Yes. And so if you don't continue on in the book series, if you only read the first one, like, yeah, you get a pretty decent understanding of what he's saying, but the real message is in God Emperor. And it's difficult for a lot of people to make it there. And you've even commented on this in the past. Yes. About how it's hard to get past the second book. Yeah. Well, let me touch on that for a second. Because this is already, this goes back to even that trailer we, that, that, you, that we watched, you know, for the next Dune movie. Um, and, and I fell into this. Like, I can admit this. I was wrong. Why? Because I was a teenager. <laughs> and I was young and, and somewhat stupid. Uh, and I think a lot of people fall into this. So, yeah, I've told the story. Um, so I read, you know, I watched David Lynch's Dune. Like, the sci-fi channel at the time would play what was called the four-hour version over and over again. And I'm like, this movie's fucking amazing. This is great. Paul Atreides is the greatest goddamn character of all time. You know, like, that, that that's kind of how I felt about it. And so I get inspired to actually read the book. You know, read the original Dune novel. And I do so. Well, and again, I'm in high school. We're talking, I'm like 15, 16, something like that. And I'm going, wow, this is amazing. Like, this is the Bible. This, this is so cool. Then you get to Dune Messiah. Much shorter book. You know, and 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 you, you you go through it, and you what you effectively find out. Spoiler alerts, folks. These books have only been around for decades. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what you effectively find out, not just in Dune Messiah, but also in Children of Dune. But what I started figuring out in Dune Messiah, like, so they they want to kill him off, and Paul effectively realizes, no, I need to let this happen. I need to die. I'm not the good guy. Like, Paul has this realization, and, and in Children of Dune, like, it's a full-on, you know, the preacher gives the whole, like, explanation about this and everything, right? And now that turned me off like you wouldn't believe, because I'm like, wait a minute, no, no, this is, no, the, the movie's amazing, this, this guy's the great hero, this is, this is awesome, when, no, Frank Herbert the whole fucking time is trying to tell you, get rid of your white savior complex, okay, right? Yeah. Like, like that, that, that's what he's doing. But you don't know if you don't read all the fucking books. <laughs> like, like you, you just, you don't understand that that's what he was trying to say. So I was wrong. Like I was wrong to be mad. You know, I've talked about it famously that it was the first book I'd never finished. You know, like I threw Dune Messiah down on the floor in my bedroom. I started stomping on it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know? And, <laughs> and 
because it pissed me off, you know, because like, wait, why are you killing off this great character? Like, I, I want more of this. I want more of this story. I want more of this character. And it, you know, it, it wasn't to be. And that's because Frank Herbert had a bigger message. Fortunately, you know, not long after I would go to a bunch of science fiction conventions and I would have people who were much older than me who were kind enough to say to me, Brian, you don't understand what Frank was doing and you and you've got to you got to finish reading it like just trust me and you know these people were veritable gods in my mind so okay I did what I was told and you know I go through the books and I'm like oh fuck got it <laughs> right like I told I totally got it I get it I get what he was doing okay but that's the problem and and now when just to go back to what I was saying the issue with this trailer is it is doing nothing to dissuade that notion that Paul is actually the bad guy. No, and you never get that notion when you're reading the first book either. No, no, right. It's not there. Even though the foundation, like you said, the foundation's there, but you don't know until you keep going, you know, in, into the series. And that kind of leads to the point that I made, and it's really a point you were making as well. We were on a nice nature walk, and that, that's what got this all kind of started. I even said that in the Q&A, you know, was that... Um, yeah, again, if you don't get to at least God Emperor of Dune, you don't get it. You you it, like you don't understand what you, you don't get it uh, explicitly laid out for you. What Frank Herbert was trying to say with the original Dune book, you know. Um, but please, please continue. Okay, I mean, I don't know how in depth you want to go about the whole book series because I feel like there's multiple major points that he makes throughout the series, but essentially. Um, I think that conversation came down to nobody would ever be brave enough to make a God Emperor of Dune movie. Yes. And part of it is because it does destroy the idea of saviors, of messiahs, mm -hmm. of, you know, you know, just having a, a hero that you rely on, that is going to solve your problems. Um, that's what this whole book is about, is putting humans under so much constraint under so much pressure uh to to live within this certain set of rules that really constrains their life to yeah. a predictable path yeah their lives become so predictable that they in essence ha feel like they have to rebel or they'll go crazy right and that's the whole point i mean um if if you want to go back a little bit to Leto, who is Paul's son, yep, that, Leto the second. Yep, he is the character that becomes the God Emperor of Dune. He's doing what he felt Paul was not brave enough to do, not strong enough to do. Right. He's he becomes the ultimate villain, the ultimate bad guy, mm -hmm. and he's the one that rules with the Iron Fist. Yeah. And he can, and he's all powerful. Right. And. It takes humanity, you know, thousands of years under this tyrannical rule for them to realize we have to make decisions for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to accept the chaos of the universe that naturally occurs. Otherwise, our lives become too predictable and they're meaningless. Right. Now, the foundation for this that you beautifully years ago when you read this and we were talking about it, that you picked up on the foundation is in the very first book. If you walk without, you got to walk without rhythm, right? Yes. And you won't attract the worm. Mm -hmm. What Frank Herbert was saying with that, yes, it's literal, okay, it keeps you from attracting the worm and getting <laughs> right? eaten, uh -huh. but at the same time, it is the way to stave off death, the death of stagnation, 
the death of, you know, like it, it keeps you from, uh, you know, because if you walk, go ahead and explain it more if you want, please. So I think what you're trying to say is if you walk with rhythm, if you become predictable, if your actions are too, um, you know, in line, systematized. Then, yeah, exactly. Yes. Then, then you begin to attract a uh, sort of predatory type of, of people that mm -hmm. are more than willing to take advantage of that. Um, or, you know, if you become too predictable, then you're not really living in the, the real world. You're not experiencing nature as it exists. Right. You're kind of trying to like turn a blind eye to the, the natural chaos that exists around you, which also is the source of beauty, even though it might at times be a source of destruction. Yes. But you can't have one without the other. Right, right. You know, it, it's the old saying, uh, you know, uh, a dangerous liberty or a safe tyranny, you know, and, and really Leto II is the ultimate expression of government. He is the perfect iron hand. Nothing happens without, you know, his say. Um, I mean, and Frank Herbert, I don't think Frank Herbert was an anarchist by any means, but I mean, maybe he was. But Frank Herbert's, you know, kind of his point was you can't have that. Like, you can't have these systematized, you can't have systematized control. You can't, like, you know, you'll stop humanity from growing if you do that. You have to accept the danger. You have to, like you said, you have to accept the chaos. And that's the point that you were, like, we were talking about. That's the point where no one's ever going to make God Emperor of Dune because you can't let that message get out there. <laughs> <laughs> that people are their own gods right. and that they have to control over they have to control their lives yes. and not allow others to do so for them no matter how much safety it allows them yeah. to feel you have to live without a net like no one's going no one's going to put that message out there it's just not going to happen you know because what do you got to do oh no what's the message that's in hollywood now every fucking movie hope 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 we got to have hope we got to have this we got to have that no 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 there's no hope there's no hope. There's no net. There's just chaos. And you just got to be able to, you know, roll with the punches. And I, I mean, it, it'll just, yeah, no one will ever make that. Th I mean, to be fair, and tell me if you disagree with me, Ellen, you know, to be fair, visually, it's it would be an almost impossible film, I think, to make. You know, like, I think they could do it with CGI. Yeah. I mean, but also, like, a lot of it is in Leto II's head. Yes, that's true. A lot and, of it is narration. Right. And that's tough. You know, to, to as much as other people have tried with Dune itself, um, that's very tough to, to put into something that's really engaging uh, cinematically, you know. So I can appreciate that, that that doesn't fit the common norms of movie making as Hollywood does it. Um, so I respect that that's a challenge, but at the same time, you know, there's a couple ways you could, I think you could go about this. You could still put the, you could still be explicit with creative license in the, shall we say the original trilogy, right? Of Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune. I think those can all be made into movies and they have at varying points. Um, and I think you could bring in some of that messaging from God Emperor of Dune creatively into those, um, Possibly, but there's also the the challenging aspect of Leto as the God Emperor mm -hmm. writing in his journal for posterity, so mm -hmm. people can read this after he's dead. Mm -hmm. The 
the way that he writes, the way that he speaks, it really does have a perspective that would seem to come from an alien life that has existed for thousands of years. Yeah. It doesn't feel human. Right. And that's something that I think anybody would have a creative challenge expressing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. And it's one of the, you know, I mean, Frank Herbert's totally a grandmaster of science fiction. Um, and I think you run into that problem with a lot of grandmasters. Like, you know, I've said this a million times, try taking Asimov's The God themselves and turn that into a movie or even a TV show. It's not going to happen and not have it get across efficaciously because that shit is so alien. Half of it is just so alien, you know, like it's even hard to read. It's so alien. Um, so yeah, that, that, that happens as well. So yeah, we get it. Like it's a challenge to turn this into a film. How are you going to pull that off? You know, but at the same time, part of the problem is, okay, great. You're turning Dune into a movie. You're turning this into a movie, you know, but you can't, you can't get it. What it's actually saying. If you don't, read God Emperor. I mean, do you think that's unfair of, of me to no, say? No, I don't think that's unfair. Okay. I think you know, everybody loves the first Dune book because it creates that messiah, but you totally miss out on the in, the overarching theme of the story mm. and how Paul fits into it if you don't continue on with the series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you run into I, it, and I mean, I think it even get, it, it can go further where and I'm worried about this, too, because supposedly, and I haven't seen anything about this in a while, but they're making a Bene Gesserit television show for for HBO, for, for Max, whatever they're calling that now. Um, that's within the universe that Villeneuve is building out with these movies, okay? Um, I think you could run into very quickly that, oh, well, the Bene Gesserit are, like, the good people, you know? What? Uh, I think as you read on, you could kind of, you could, you could sort of come to that conclusion, but when you get to like Heretics of Dune and even Chapter House, you, you got to wonder, or it can be even vice versa, depending upon interpretation, where you think that they're the villains, but no, actually when you get to Heretics, it's like, oh, wait, they're, they're the good people. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's a too simplistic way of viewing it. It's not that they're good or bad or right. anything like that. They're just mm -hmm. another independent powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the God Emperor, aside from Choam, you know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, but that, but it just speaks to the point that if you don't read the original canon, like, you're going to get confused, you know, and you're going to come up with these narratives that fit very nicely in Hollywood entertainment, but are bullshit in the light of what the author intended. Yeah. And, and so it's a problem and i thought you bringing this up was brilliant i was like yeah no you're you're, you're totally right like th this is a massive problem this is a story that people need to hear yeah but i doubt that anybody is brave enough or would have the funding to create a a, a movie out of the dune story mm -hmm. that presents that philosophical challenge to people yeah yeah well again i don't i don't think whatever the powers that be and it's plural you know, there's not just one. Um, I, I don't think they'd let it out there, you know, like that. That's way too independent thought, you know. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think part of what brought this up for us initially when we were, you know, when we first started talking about this was we, we had went to the local Barnes and Noble. And, oh, yeah, there are plenty of copies of the original Dune, like you mentioned, plenty of copies of 
Well, I mean, at least there were some copies of Dune Messiah. There were some copies of Children of Dune. They were even selling it like as a trilogy set, right? But then you're looking around, you you know, you specifically, Ellen, you're looking around, you're like, well, where's God Emperor? Like, where, <laughs> you know, where are the other books? And we found one copy of God Emperor. We found one copy and, and, and it was taking up the whole shelf, wasn't it? Like a whole aisle, it yeah. seemed like almost, mm-hmm. that, that it was all Dune books. But it was all the same goddamn book or the same three books. I mean, you know, not, I'm, I'm kind of glad these weren't on the shelf, but even Brian Herbert's books were barely there, were barely represented. But you, you literally had one copy of, of God Emperor, one copy of Heretics, one copy of Chapter House, which rounds out what Frank Herbert himself had originally written. And that's, that's an insult. And, and you could say, well, that's because everybody bought those out. Oh, no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's why. <laughs> no, they're probably not selling those very much. Right, right. Well, again, most people can't, just don't get there. Uh, and I don't think they run into what I run into, you know, when I was a kid reading Dune Messiah. Um, I don't know what the situation is. But, yeah, it's it's not hopeful, and and it's disappointing. Well, one thing that I feel like I've experienced a lot in in my lifetime, the Mm. media that has come out, is that there's a general story arc, and once you get to the... Once you get through the predictable parts of the story, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people generally want it to, to end. Or, like, if it's going to continue, it has to continue on kind of in the same way, but, like, maybe there's new elements added in. Yeah. Completely changing up the, the message of the story and saying, oh, that character that you loved in the first book, actually, they're the bad guy. Right. Um, that's just not part of, of, I think, the, the cultural language of or, or the understanding of how stories should be written so i feel like there's a certain challenge in in that sense as well for people to accept a story or a, a series of books that has been written in a way that kind of turns on its head the the method of absorbing this kind of media yeah yeah, and, and maybe, it, and it does, maybe it just gets too weird for people, for most people. Like, Dune is such a well-realized world in the first book. I mean, in general it is as well, but in the first book, it's so well, I mean, it has, there's whole appendices at the end of the fucking book, you know? Um, I think that allows people to kind of live in it, and that attracts them at first, but then it just starts getting so strange and outlandish that, yeah, it probably loses people. I did talk to one other person, to be fair, that they also said... I don't understand why they would build up this character in the first book just to kill them off in the second. Yeah. Like, that was very frustrating to them as well. Yeah. And they didn't continue on to understand why. Yeah. You know, you bring up a great point. I do think, because I'm trying to think of others, other examples of this, and I do think that, that this turns people off. Again, it turned me off. But even then, like, afterwards, when you kind of realize it, when you, when, it's a narrative that's not, or it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a narrative trick it's not used often enough. I'm going to bring up a quick other example that I've brought up many times on Sovereign Tech over the years. And that is, there's a video game trilogy called Colony Wars. Originally, it was for the PlayStation, for the PlayStation 1. They're flight sims, uh, you know, akin to TIE Fighter, things like this. They're, they're dynamite. They're, they're really, really great. Here's the thing. You play the first one, and you think you're part of, like, this league that are, like, the rebellion against this galactic empire. Okay, sounds kind of like Star Wars, whatever. But anyway, you think you're part of this rebellion. When the second you win the game, 
the game actually has multiple endings, but you win the game and, you know, you, the league ends up winning the day. You get to the second game, and right from the opening cinematic, you find out, oh shit, the league was a bunch of capitalistic asshats that were the bad guys. And, like, like they just wanted to be in power. Um, and you had no idea. And the Empire was actually, you know, in charge of, like, bringing peace and everything. Um, and the second game is all about you trying to, like, push the League back and kind of retake your homeworld and all this stuff. Now, that's all political nonsense, whatever, and we're anarchists and who gives a shit. But the point being is I loved that when I found out, like, whoa, I was playing the bad guys the whole time? that's great. (laughs) Like I thought that was so cool, but maybe what worked in that sense is that it was the inverse. Not that, I mean, I thought, well, I guess, no, no, it's not the inverse because I thought it was the hero in the first game, but then you find out in the second, no, you're not. Um, But it's the same thing where you end up getting more context after the first one. Yeah. But I think that turned people off because that series didn't go past three games. Um, and it's never been brought back, and I cannot understand why. It was so high quality, just like Dune, very fully realized world. In the sense that you could go into the menu of the game, and you could read about every fucking planet in the solar system that you're visiting. And you don't even go to those planets. But, like, somebody wrote all that shit out. And it's a lot. Uh, and But it's the same deal, where you find out, oh, fuck, like, you were the bad guy. You know, and I think that turned a lot of people off. I've never thought about that until you just said it now, but I think that's what that did it. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's hard for people to let go of their attachments to certain characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, once they get invested in one, it's it, it's like if in the second book of Harry Potter, uh, J.K. Rowling had, had said that, like, you know, he's becoming this all-powerful wizard, and mm-hmm. he's learning these secrets about his life, uh, but then he finds out that like oh actually magic is bad and yeah. and he sh- he should like start fighting the wizards yeah 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 well that you just made me think of this too because you can think of so many villain characters probably in Harry Potter as well where the villain becomes the good guy in the end you know or like redeems like there's the redemption story arc right yeah. nobody has a problem with that no but the, but the downward spiral story arc? Oh no, people have a problem with that. Or the bait and switch story arc or whatever. I don't know what what to even call that because it's so rare. Um, but that that's a problem. Like we have no problem. Oh, the bad guy can turn good. But the good guy? Oh no, no, no. You can't find out that, oh shit, they were the, they were the bad guy the whole time. Yeah, again, I feel like this is attachment to characters and it mm-hmm, causes mm-hmm. psychological stress when you think that the good guy is starting to do bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, if if there's a antagonist in the story, mm-hmm. um, you know, every time they appear, every time they're part of the the narrative, they're doing things that are causing stress to yeah. to the uh, the protagonist, the person that you're most attached to. Yeah. And if they become over time a good character yeah then there's this like ah oh, sense of relief you know yeah it's it's an alleviation of this stress yep but to have it go the other way where the good character is he's like dying off you know that's sad to most people that's yeah. not something that they really want to have in their fantasy world yeah and, but it, or go ahead oh i was just going to say i feel like the the fantasy world is really what it, this is about is the 
you know, imagining living vicariously through this character mm -hmm. and really taking it in as like part of yourself. And people don't want to have their fantasy dirtied by this idea of, of like, you know, my favorite character. And now I'm just finding out that he needs to die and that he wasn't helping people in the first place. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'll and you're, you're I 100 percent agree with you, but I'll take it even further than the fantasy world because I think, and and this fits right in with Dune as well. I think we are as a, as a civilization that has been born out of multiple civilizations over the past few thousand years. Uh, we've fallen under our own missionary protectiva. In that, I think we all kind of. I think this speaks to the real world as well, that people are looking for a savior all the time. And that's a message that's just baked into most of the cultures that our civilization has grown out of. Um, and this dispels that. You know, Dune dispels that. And this idea, this, this story arc that we're talking about, that doesn't get done enough, where, oh, no, actually the hero... You know, you got to kill your heroes. The hero's not the good guy. And actually, yeah. you shouldn't have heroes. Yeah, you shouldn't even have heroes in the first place. Right. And, but that fucks with people's, I, I, I think in the real world, that fucks with people's heads. And that's why they have such a violent, almost violent, or at least stressful, in your words, reaction to this kind of storyline. Because, uh, no, they need their heroes. They need their savior. You know, and, and, and I mean, this is why people fall into politics, right? Like, this is why they, they, they no, 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 Biden's got to win because I need my hero, you know, or whoever, or even if it's the idiots who voted for Trump. Uh, yeah, talk about or talk about that story arc. But, even if it's not a hero, even if it's not an individual, it's, mm -hmm. it's some idea like, no, we need the police to protect us or like, no, we need to pay taxes so that we have the military. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's something like that. And the God Emperor of Dune character um, completely dispels that idea. Yes. I mean, he's... That whole story is, is a message to you mm -hmm. to become the best that you can be so yeah. that you can handle anything on your own without relying on anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Or at least minimizing, you know, reliance, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, just becoming creative, strong, mm -hmm. resilient, mm -hmm. and unpredictable. Right. Just right. like the rest of the world, because this idea of safety that we all live with every day, with our smartphones, with technology, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. our jobs, um, it's all a fantasy. Yes. No, you're, 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 yeah, you're completely right. It's all a fantasy. You know, something, this reminds me, speaking of another, another author who wrote ridiculously long books, um, I think this has always been something that's been kind of misunderstood, and maybe she even misunderstood it herself, that being Ayn Rand. Uh, you know, cause she, her, her fiction was, you know, so hyper individualistic, right? Like you gotta be the individual, you gotta be the best individual you can be. But her message also explicitly was you're not, you know, if you're not at your best, you're no good for everyone else around you, you know, that you like the kind of that you care about. And so she was almost saying, and again, I don't think she even realized she was saying she hated the we, right? You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Death to the word we, you know, that, that's totally Ayn Rand. But she was kind of admitting like, oh no, no, like the value in being our best 
is that we're at our best for the others around us as well. You know, but it, she would never say no, that. No, she would never say that. I don't think she realized what she was saying, but that message is there. And, you know, because we all kind of, you know, we all get by often enough on the kindness of strangers. You know, that that, that happens a lot, um, whether we realize it or not. You yeah, know? agreed. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have support from others exactly. who cared about me. Exactly, exactly. But to return that in kind, I think it behooves us to be our absolute best, you know, and to respect and understand that the the universe even that we live in um <laughs> can be a mean and nasty place <laughs> and, my, and, and you know not to attribute emotion to it but uh it's inherently chaotic anyway and you've you know to survive and to to appreciate and enjoy it you have to you have to integrate that chaos um yeah and i feel like that's something that most people have not gone through the existential dilemmas to really truly understand that life is such a gift yes you know the universe is not built for life it's designed in such a way that you know it is complete chaos there is mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. real design i mean mm -hmm. it operates based on certain basic laws of physics um but the fact that life exists at all is truly a miracle yeah. and why should we not enjoy it while we're here why should we not live to the best of our abilities and absorb as much as possible and the fact that people have created these safety guards mm -hmm. uh, in order to live longer lives safer lives more comfortable lives mm -hmm. really excludes a lot of the exploration that i feel like one would be compelled to to undergo if they had that understanding of just how fragile life is yeah. and this idea of, of safety and protection kind of being, you know, a fantasy because like I could, I could get into a car accident at any point driving down the road. Yep. We could be hit by a meteor, yes. you know, next week. Yes. And it doesn't matter one way or another what you do to protect yourself from those things because the world is going to throw something unpredictable at you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I actually, I want to, I want to kind of blame a little bit. I want to blame science fiction a little bit. Ironically with, with some of this problem, because you know, you're, you're completely right in everything you're saying. And the irony is, you know, people want this sense of safety, but then they treat this planet like shit. And they don't understand that the earth is an oasis in a desert of darkness and death. It is an oasis. It is a small one. And life, you know, and, and this is where I have the problem with science fiction. Because science fiction, or even scientists, are like, oh yeah, there's, oh, there's got to be alien life everywhere. There's got to be this. What the fuck are you talking about? The way that the universe is set up? no way like, like like this this is this is a meat grinder this this universe we live in <laughs> there might be life on on like thousands of other planets millions even but they are so far away because the universe is so big that we have absolutely sure. no chance of of making it there unless we somehow can travel through wormholes right okay yeah and that's fair but like okay the, even if it's on millions of planets that's nothing Compared to what the scope, the size, the scale of the universe, yes. of what the universe is, that's nothing. 
this universe is designed to destroy you know like I, and it does it destroys so i mean as much as it promotes life it 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 wipes out so much you know and to like you know, you know, like I, I think my point is, science fiction taught people that oh no no no, there's alien life everywhere. Oh no no, we'll build spaceships that can survive all this stuff. No no, we can sit down with a goddamn scientist for 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 ten minutes and tell them how would you design a starship that could go to even let's say Mars or whatever. And like the first thing they're going to talk about, well, there's this radiation out there that's ready to fry your ass, you know, and we don't know. <laughs> How like the best thing we can think of is having a water tank surrounding the starship, and no science fiction shows off a water tank surrounding a starship when going around. You know, they just think, oh yeah, we'll just put metal plating on, and that's fine. And Which shields, is, right? And shields, yeah, or shields. And what the fuck is that? You know, like where, <laughs> where did you come out with? You know, what, like really, what elephant ass did you pull that out of? Because it have to be that big to come up with that kind of nonsense idea. You know, and, and so science fiction has. As much as I love it, and I know you love it, Ellen. I mean, we're we're diehards. With I mean, we're 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 science fiction sweaties on levels almost undreamed of, even by authors just just decades ago. Okay, but at the same time, the harsh reality is all of that stuff is make believe and very hard to do. You know, like yeah, I want the Star Trek future as well, uh, but it's a pretty good chance that ain't happening. You know, uh, right. I mean, and, and even even the the writers of Star Trek is technically minded as they were. And, and, and Satan bless Michael Okuda and Denise Okuda and all them for writing the encyclopedia and even doing the math of how the nacelles work on the Enterprise D and everything. That's amazing. But at the end of the day, they had to make the conceit that, well, the Vulcans actually gave us most of this technology, you know, because they don't have I mean, they're just writers. They don't have a fucking clue on how to make this shit happen. Uh, no one does. No, right, right. No one does. You know, I mean, the most honest, the most honest explanation in Star Trek is the Klingons. What happened? A ship crash landed on their planet and they reverse engineered the technology and they probably killed the entire crew. You know, and, and like, okay, now that makes sense. Like, I, I get that. Okay, that's that's intellectually honest. But everything that Starfleet does is horse shit. Right. And I love it. Make no mistake. I love it. But it's crap. And it has sold people on this idea. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. The earth is going to crap or whatever, but it's fine. The Vulcans will come down or we'll build starships or, you know, don't worry about the Van Allen belt. Don't worry about this stuff. We never talk about that. We don't explain it. It's the deflector dish and have a good day. Right. But that's not the reality. And so what's what what bothers me? Is that all of and I love the message of positivity too, but people treat this planet like crap. They treat life like crap, have no understanding of their place in the universe whatsoever, even in the most superficial ideas. And this is also another reason why I think a lot of people buy into this notion of God, because they gotta think there's something out there benevolent. Because if they don't think that, they're gonna come to the realization that holy fuck. It's a dangerous place that yes, we live in. Yes, exactly, exactly. And the last thing you would ever do is fuck up your oasis in this desert of darkness and death. And it's tragic, you know. Like, and 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 I, and I really, I'll put the blame on some of the very science fiction that I love that has gotten people and in, in all this entertainment that has gotten people to buy into this notion that oh no 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 we can do this we can do that it'll be fine. It's not going to be fine. Um. Yeah, and, and 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 
you know, I love Dune for accepting that chaos and wanting to, to like bring, I think Dune brings these points to head, but that's also why, like you said, shit's never going to get made. Well, another thing that happens in Dune that we haven't talked about yet that kind of relates to what you're saying is Mm -hmm. they also Dune in, in the Dune books, there's also reference to this war that happened a long time in the past against the machines and the the computers. Yes, Yes. exactly. Where humanity basically decided that we could no longer use computers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like destroyed all technology Yep, because it was, it was not good for us. It was taking over our lives. Yeah. Yeah, and it was designed to make our lives easier. And boy, how prescient that is. In fact, I don't find it a shock at all that the first Villeneuve Dune movie, I don't think it touched on the Bootlerian Jihad at all. You know? like Because they, they didn't... This is part of where it wasn't weird. They didn't explain the Mentats. Sure, they showed one. And his eyes, you know, blinked like a... Uh, like a... Uh, someone... Having a seizure or something? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say like a lizard person. <laughs> but all the same, they didn't explain that at all. And that's one of the most important fucking things to explain. Yeah. <laughs> because... Like, why do these human computers exist? Right. Mm, um, well, probably because no computers exist. <laughs> and there's a reason for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's another message in Dune that I think is so beautiful and so powerful in that no, because the Bene Gesserit do that. I mean, there's different groups that do it in different ways. Uh, you know, the Spacing Guild does it through drugs. The Bene Gesserit do it in their own way. I mean, they all kind of use the spice, I guess. But Yeah, but uh, they do it more so through discipline and training. Right. And you have the Mentats. They basically said, okay, if we want to be an interstellar species, we have to take huma- our human biology. And even, you know... I mean, I guess the Bene Gesserit wouldn't necessarily say spirituality. It gets into funny areas when you read, like, Heretics of Dune. But you have to push human capability to the limits. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we cannot rely upon technology to do it for us. Because all that'll happen is we become slaves to it when we allow for that. Yeah, and one of the most important parts of that is that technology cannot adapt. Right. Like, if there's a solar flare, we're going to lose technology. Yep. Yep. We have to adapt. Yep. On our own. Yes. No, 100%. And, you know, like, I mean, the, the Orange Catholic Bible verse of thou shalt not make a machine in the likeness of man, or in the likeness of the mind of man, right? I think that's the specific. Anyway, spot on, you know, and, and I mean, Frank Herbert even said, like, he, he brought up the point, you know, that, that, I forget the exact quote, it's so brilliant, just where he says, you know, you essentially became enslaved, uh, to people or to, to other people with better machines. Like you became enslaved to the machines and it just, but point being, it speaks so well to right now, right? This instant right now in what our technology is doing and capable of. And I don't even mean chat GPT. That's bullshit. That, that, that's crap. Okay. But this is the road that Frank Herbert was talking about. Amazingly 70 years ago. Yeah, and how interesting is it that along with this increase in technology, people mm-hmm. are, I would argue, less less intelligent than our predecessors right. were. Right. Um, not that like reading and writing is necessarily a reflection of intelligence, no. but I feel like a lot of people cannot spell now. Yeah. Um, you know, grammar is going down the toilet. Yep. 
And as far as knowing the, the truth about nature, about understanding our place in, in reality, um, you know, if technology were to go away, who would be able to find edible fruits and vegetables right. for themselves? Right. Who would be able to find clean water? Who would know how to survive on a cold night? You know, these all these survival skills, like, the majority of humanity does not have any more. Oh, no. No, yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. I mean, take away this, the, the quote-unquote simplest of, of uh, uh, contrivance, or not contrivance, uh, the simplest of device, you know, to from humans today take away their toilet you're, you're gonna wipe out the species just from taking out the toilet why because <laughs> most people will be like okay fine i'll just pee outside and i'll just shit outside and i'll just do you do whatever you know like they won't under they don't understand that's how disease spreads right that's why in our most ancient of manuals of life manuals that that you know people's thousands of years ago had said you take a shovel and you go a mile that way and you shit over there and you never shit in town, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, like, this is, this is why, because I mean, there were people who, they, you know, even, even though they didn't have necessarily science, you know, they did understand cause and effect and they could see what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and forgetting that skill set, you know, Britain, England, right, right. like two to 300 years ago, they had all sorts of epidemics because yes. people were pouring their chamber pots in the streets right. and they didn't understand why right. drinking the water was giving them cholera. Right. Right. Toilets are not just about making it convenient to clean up your shit. Toilets are as much a health concern or, a, a, you know, a, a health helper <laughs> as, as anything else. It's such a powerful thing. Now, Maybe not for the planet, though, because there is a, true. a broken cycle of nature here where we're eating food and yes. we're sending our waste out into the water and not back to the soil. Yeah, true. There's a lot of respect to be had for our shit, literal shit. Okay, our poop, our excrement that we don't have, that we've also been kind of removed from as well. Like we've also, we've kind of gone almost the opposite direction. This is a whole other su subject, but I, I really want to hit more on the AI thing and, and yeah. more about the machine thing. But, but yeah, we've, we've really lost a, the respect for our excrement. Um, as a rich source of nutrition. Yes, yes. In fact, there's a great book out there. It's called Flush. I can't remember the name of the, the author just now, but definitely recommend people check that out to understand what we could be doing because even toilets themselves suck but my point is that you take toilets away from people and they have no goddamn idea what to do and again they're going to kill themselves because they're just going to spread disease like there's no tomorrow especially in uh, cities yes yeah right so yeah people don't they, they don't know now not everybody has to be necessarily a specialist to be sure but you know to where they like know how everything works you know most people don't understand how electricity works. They just kind of use it, you know, and, and, and they just anticipate that it's going to do what it does. Is that a problem? Ultimately, yes. But our our infrastructure, civilization's infrastructure is so complex. No, I don't expect one person to be able to understand that. At the same time, I don't think it's unfair for people to be able to know how to survive without it, you know, or at least have some degree of preparedness. Um, because, you know, I was just saying this to a friend the other day. Carrington event, you know, a solar, a solar Carrington event, that, that is a matter of when, not if. Yeah, not just that. I mean, we fortunately live in a place where there's few natural disasters, but yeah. there's floods, 
There's yep. tornadoes, yep. tsunamis, yep. you know, any number of these things could happen. An earthquake could strike and swallow our house. Yeah. And then what would we do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's always a good idea to be prepared for these yeah. things. Yeah. It's not insane. It's not paranoid. It's just good common sense. Right. Yeah. And I'm kind of worried, you know, again, everybody's talking about AI right now, you know, and I know you even like to stay away from the news as much as you can and <laughs> and you probably can't avoid it. You know? Well, I can't because you work with AI. Well, that's true. Yes. And, and, and you fill me in. Yes. I've, I have, for my work, I have had to become a specialist. I've talked about this on Q and A's. I don't know if I've talked about it openly, but I'll just say quickly, I've had to become an absolute specialist on multiple LLMs, large language models, which is ultimately what these AIs really are, uh, as well as things like stable diffusion, generative AI. I've had to become a specialist in generative AI. Um, and I hate it in one sense. <laughs> uh, in the other, it's also proven to me just how not powerful and how dumb it ultimately is, you know? And so I'm glad for that because I have the perspective, the boots on the ground perspective that, no, this is not the end of the world. As in, the AI is not going to, to end the world. However, I do feel that humans' use of AI, as in how it dulls the human being, the individual, could, be, could lead to disastrous consequences. Yeah, enough reliance on AI and machinery and I, this just goes back to what we were talking about like 10 minutes ago, I think. The mm -hmm. more that you rely on these things, the more that you use them, the less you have to think for yourself. Yeah. The less work you have to put in, the less yeah. effort you have to exert in order to simply exist. Yeah. Yeah. Now... And that's, you know, in one sense, that's a good thing. Right. Because everybody wants leisure time. Everybody wants to relax. Yeah, of course. But what is the price you're paying on the other end? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, a point I've made is, okay, there, there's a lot of bullshit work that we do as human beings in an interconnected world that we shouldn't be doing, that we don't need to do. PR, you know? for example. P uh, well, <laughs> well, well, that, that's, I'll get to that. There, there's something in there. But I mean, like some emails and things that I need to write, like, no, I shouldn't have to do that. You know, like, like yes, can, will I have ChatGPT write an email for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And... Honestly, the internet long before ChatGPT or AI or, you know, LLMs or anything like this uh, had already really dulled, like, and, and, and turned our language into a very efficient code. You know, we don't say, like, most emails between people in professional settings do not start with, hey, or hi, or anything like that. It just says, Brian, or it says, you know, whatever name, so that you know very quickly who, you're to, who this is relevant to, and maybe they even use bold or italics to separate things. You know, it's already turned into a mechanistic language, which is unfortunate because it was meant to express feeling and beauty as much as it was meant to transmit information. Um, and the internet was already kind of killing that, in, in my opinion anyway. And that's not even getting into emojis, which are ultimately a whole other problem. Um, but even though there's value in them as well, you know, when you're using, when you're using screens to communicate with each other. Okay. Um, but yeah, so there's things that ChatGPT, that these, these, these generative AIs do that are wonderful, are great. 
and no human should be doing. You know, as Asimov said, if it was, you know, you know if, if a machine can do it, it was beneath the human to do anyway. And I concur with that. Yeah, okay. I agree. Right. All right. So I have no problem with it taking bullshit jobs like David Graybeard brought up. That's fine. Here's the rub, though. The challenge should be, which is goes right back to Dune. The challenge is not to, when you develop this technology, is not for you to become lazy. It is for you to become better than you've ever been. The Butlerian Jihad occurred because it made humans lazy. The machines took over because humans became lazy in, in Dune. Okay. Really, what generative AI should do, it is a challenge for us to be that much better. We should not be impressed by whatever horseshit that ChatGPT spews out when we give it a prompt. There's nothing impressive about it at all. And if you do find it impressive, then what's really... Is it actually impressive? Or do you just suck as a human being? And I'm inclined to believe it's the latter. That if you're blown away by what a computer can do, or if you're blown away by what this generative AI can do, you're a failure. I know that's harsh. <laughs> but but I'm just saying, like, like, no, you suck. <laughs> Maybe you should work on your skills instead. Is that, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, if that impresses you, you're not very impressive. And, and, and I know I know that's kind of harsh. But, and I, and I think that, it's funny, too, because also there's, you know, we were just talking about kind of like survivalist kind of concepts. You know, can you survive without this? Can you do that? Whatever. You have a lot of these like conservative prepper types who are all scared to death that ChatGPT is going to take over the world and all this crap, you know. And, and it's like, no, no, man. Like, if you think that this is you, you're part of the problem, if you think that this is impressive, because you're you're a you're completely misinformed. Uh, you know, you don't you don't understand what's actually going on. And also, it just shows, again, if you think that this can take over the world, it just shows how pathetic of a human being you've become because you think that this can happen. What do you got? Yeah, I think what you're trying to say is that AI can't create anything original. But no. what AI can do is it can take things that already exist and mix them up in a way that seems new. Yes, it can and, vomit. And essentially, it could put anything onto the Internet and make it sound real. Um, so this is, I guess, an era where having sources that are well vetted is more important than ever because you could be reading something that sounds like it was written by a human and sounds like it's based on something real. Yes. But it could be written by an AI completely right. fake. Right. Totally. Yeah. So here's the thing. An AI, a generative AI, ChatGPT, whatever. It can't cook. It can vomit it up, whatever the fuck it just ate, but it can't cook. And, 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 and that's the, that's the thing like that people, people aren't getting. And, you know, I did a whole episode about this, about what is truth, right? Answering the old Pontius Pilate question to Christ, you know, what is truth? Well, we philosophers have gone over this for many, 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 many centuries, if not thousands of years. And truth is the correspondence theory of truth. Basically, if I see the sky and I say it's blue, and you, Ellen, look at the sky and say it's blue. I mean, usually you want more than two people, maybe. But, okay, the sky's blue. 
But there's also an aspect of truth that is completely internal and unique to each individual. Sure, that's personal truth. That cannot be shared. And yes. that is, I feel, the realm of art, of music, totally. of painting, totally. of writing. Yes, um, that's cooking. That's something that an AI cannot do. It Agreed. can, however, take, for example, five different Mozart pieces yes. and analyze them and create a new one based off of those examples. Yeah. That, that sounds relatively similar, but is quote unquote new. Right. But that's vomiting. Right. Okay. It's not like expressing the emotion that a person feels at a very special moment in their life. Yes, exactly. So we can engage with the objective reality around us. That's the ingredients. I'm going to stick with the cooking metaphor. Okay. That's the ingredients. Okay. We can put these things together as human beings into new things, into emergent, things with emergent properties greater than the sum of their parts. Okay. That's cooking. And we create a dish. So we can do that. But you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Every computer on the planet is completely reliant upon human input. Like, <laughs> or, I mean, these large language models anyway are completely reliant upon what humans have created before. It is not creating anything on its own. It's just not. You know, even if, like, there was a big story uh, a couple weeks ago where generative AI created a song supposedly by Drake, and it sounded a lot like Drake. And it freaked everybody out because, well, you know, okay, it's not a great song, but yeah, that sounds like something Drake would have done, you know, would have written. And it was a quote unquote original piece, but it's not an original piece. It's still copying Drake. It's still, it's still vomit. You understand? Like it's. Yeah. You can't send a computer or an AI out right. into the wilderness and say like, make me a song that expresses the, the grandeur of yes. the sunset over yes. the Grand Canyon. Right. And. It's not that it can't do that just because it doesn't have the, just because it doesn't have, I don't know, the five senses or all these other things or whatever. It's because it can only remix, you know, like the data that, that effectively gets put into it. It does not have creativity. There is no creativity whatsoever involved in it. It cannot cook. <laughs> and the funny thing is, so I, I saw this AI generated uh, commercial for, for beer mm -hmm. recently. And I shared it with you and oh, with yeah. some friends. I yeah. thought it was so funny. And if you, if you really watch what's going on in here, mm -hmm. in, in that commercial, you'll, you'll see that the AI has no understanding of the objects that it's recreating. Right. Right. It's just recreating patterns that it, that it sees, that it senses. Yeah. It, it really doesn't understand like human physiology. Yes. Every person has five hands and those fingers can move in a certain yeah. way because of muscles and yes. tendons. It just recreates these patterns. So it creates these very weird uncanny valley moments where there's like 12 fingers holding a yes. bottle. Or <laughs> Right. Now, now that's a great point to bring up. And now people will say to you on that, they'll say, yeah, but we fixed the hands now. And they have. Like in, in varying generative AI software, they fixed where hands look human now. But here's the thing. The AI didn't fix it. The AI had no fucking clue that the hands were a problem. We told it. Human beings told it. The hands are wrong. And they fixed the code. Right? And so that, that again, it just speaks to the point. All it can do is vomit. It can't cook. They don't, it just, it blows my mind. People don't get it. But they don't care. And that's the ultimate problem is, is that if they want to just hand everything over to this generative shit, then you are not going to eat good food anymore. You are going to literally swallow vomit the rest of your fucking life.
And I guess gets... I think of it more like styrofoam. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. It's filling, but there's no nutrition there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But the problem that this is going to ultimately create, so you mentioned PR earlier. Here's the thing. You know what's going to die? The news industry is going to die. It's already dying. It's already getting turned over to AI. And fine. Like, in many ways, I don't give a shit. Okay. <laughs> I still won't read or listen to news. Right. I, don't I mean, it, it hasn't been believable over the last decade or two. And exactly. now it's just spinning more out of right. control. I didn't care when the humans were writing it. Why the hell am I going to care that the AI are? <laughs> you know? And so, and, and this is the thing. Because, and I've said this for years already on the show. I've said the only thing worthwhile reading, as far as tech goes, just read the press releases that Google and Apple and whoever puts out there. Because... Everything else is interpretation by all these other people. They're just regurgitating. It's the same crap. Okay, journalism itself is a problem. And that's a much larger subject to get into, and I don't think people necessarily want to... I don't know if they're even ready for that. But journalism itself is is really an issue. Uh, and it's actually created part of this whole AI misconstruing. But hey, what do you got? Well, I think journalism originally was a very good thing, and for a long time was as well, because it helped to educate people about things that were happening not exactly in front of their faces, you know? Yeah. It was something, it was a way to share complex stories with people about real things that were happening that might be bigger than any individual. Yes, um, and, and then the profit motive came in. Right. You know, and, 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 and that's, that's where, where it's, and it's fallen apart for a good long while because journalism ultimately could not keep up with technological developments. It still hasn't been able to keep up with it. And now it's to the point that the technology is taking the job, but it gets a lot worse than this. So for one, media outlets, news outlets, they're going to, they're going to be gone. Why? Because here's what the future is going to look like. And I'm not even necessarily, I'm not like, I don't plan on stopping this. What I'm talking, what you and I here are talking about, I don't expect this to put a stop to fucking anything, okay? I've tried the last 10 years to put a stop to, you know, Amazon and Microsoft and everybody else, you know, basically dominating the way that we interact with each other and so many other aspects of our life, and it changed nothing. So I don't have any illusions here that this is necessarily going to change things on a broader level. So here's what the future is going to look like. The future is you type into, for example, ChatGPT, Okay, or Bing Chat, take your fucking pick. You type into it, and you ask it something as simple as, what's the weather outside? Or what is, or here's an example. Like recently, ChatGPT allows for plugins to be used now. So I've used them. I typed in the first time I was testing this, because what these plugins allow for is, you know, originally ChatGPT's, uh, 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 kind of one of its limitations was that it only had data up to 2021. And it would tell you that. It, it would say, well, I only have data up to 2021, so things could have changed. You know, and great, I'm glad it was honest, right? Now though, you can use plugins to where it can bring in real-time data. And so I typed in and I said, what did William Shatner do last week? And it told me. And I looked it up, what Shatner tweeted about and everything that he said he was doing, and it was right on the money. It, it, it got it. But that's but that is indicative of how people are going to take in information in the future. You're not people aren't going to write stories about it. They're not they're not going to write any of this shit. You're just going to type in what was this person doing or what is this or what is that. There will no longer be search engines don't matter. There's no more search engines. You just ask the LLM or the generative AI 
I want to know this, or I want this, or whatever. And it gives it to you, and that's it. And that's the end. There's no more travel blogs? There's no more travel blogs. Like, th that, that, that won't be a thing, because all you do is, you know, I want to know 10 places to see when I'm in Rome. And hopefully Fast and Furious wasn't, uh, you know, like a prophetic or predictive programming, and the Vatican is still there, you know? <laughs> but um, but that's, that's, what, that's how people are going to interact with this stuff. Why? Because... As far as I can see, people are missing the point of AI in that it's a challenge for you to become a better human being. Instead, they're doing the opposite and they're, and they're becoming lazy. And that's always the way to, you know, and why? Because there are humans who want to make money off of all this. And how do you make the most amount of money off of people? Appeal to their laziness. And it doesn't even have to be legit, right? Because, for example, how do you appeal to people's laziness? Invent the dishwasher. Okay, great. Dishwasher is a phenomenal thing. Has that saved anybody any time? No, no. It's just made them do more bullshit or work more or whatever when it was supposed to make them work less. And that's the thing is that all you have to do is appeal to the laziness, not even necessarily make them lazier, but ultimately in the end, it does make them lazier in varying ways, you know, because there's there's many ways of being lazy. I'm going, I'm kind of going all over the place. But this Maybe. Is, yeah, but, I feel like the laziness you're talking about, it, it really is just a, a matter of like taking away the tedious, repetitive, simple tasks that, you know, you don't need to do, anybody mm -hmm. could do. Mm -hmm. Or if a machine can do it, mm -hmm. then you don't have to do one more simple, repetitive, tedious right. task. Right. Um, and that should allow you to fulfill your ambitions more. I think that's what you're trying to say. Yes. Is like chasing your dreams. That's what you should be spending that extra hour that the dishwasher is saving you on. Right. Right. And that's not what's happening. You know, like that, that's not how, that, that that's not how technology usually turns out. And so because in one sense, great, I don't have to wash dishes. Yeah, I mean, I actually like washing dishes, but OK, great. Like I don't have to wash dishes. Awesome. I save some time. I don't have to write that email. Great. I save some time. But then what do you do with that time that you save? And the, the, the ironic problem is, is it usually just ends up putting you in front of just another in in this example. It puts you in front of another chat GPT prompt. And you're just asking it the next question, then the next question, and it just turns into this like loop. And so, yeah, this is going to wipe out tons of stuff. And the world might end because of it, but not because ChatGPT takes over the world. Because people are spending so much time on TikTok. Yes, because people have become fucking lazy. <laughs> you know? And, they, they fail to see that, like, <laughs> animals are dying all over the place yes. because of pollution. And... Yeah, or they see it, but it's a video, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, it's sure. not happening here, it's happening on my screen. As they continue to use copious amounts of electricity being generated by coal-powered plants. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I have an electric car. Where does that electricity come from, asshole? <laughs> <You> <laughs> the electricity fairy. Yeah, right. It comes from the outlet. The yeah. outlet makes the electricity. I've heard that one before, It's fine. Too. It's not gas. No brown kids are being harmed. Oh, you sure? <laughs> anyway. So... <sighs> Yeah. So, you know, in, in fact, this gets to, do, do you have anything more you want to say on this? No, I'm, I just agree with you. I feel like people should be spending time mm -hmm. chasing their dreams, but ultimately that's the individual's choice, whether yeah. you want to be that ambitious yeah. and put in that amount of work and be the best you that you can be. Yes. Um, I, I also, you know, at times I understand the desire to want to be lazy. You yeah. know, I work so hard all week just so that I can come home for like four hours a day and, and relax and spend yes. time with you and do the things that I actually want sure. to do. 
And like half the time I'm so burned out from working that all I want to do is play video games. Sure. Or watch Stargate, you know? It, yeah. Those are great things to do because that's also like engaging in a creative world. Yeah. Um, but there are other things that I'd like to do. I love to paint. I'd love to, you know, garden. I'd yeah. love to go build a house out in the wilderness, you know? Yes. I'd yes. love to like put on a squirrel suit and jump off a mountainside. Woo! But Tanuki, let's go. <laughs> those things take money. Yeah. And sadly, um, that is something that I still have to work for. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I want to bring this point up quick. And you're right. You're totally right. I mean, and there's also there's a there's a there's a difference, and it can be a fine line at times between laziness and leisure. Okay, like those are two separate things. True. And and also there is a problem. There is the opposite end of this, which I don't want to suggest that we're promoting, which is that you can like right now this whole grind set, you know, and like got to be on the grind, you know, uh, um, and the idea that you have to like always be productive and all that, that that's another problem in its own self. And that's somewhere where actually Ayn Rand was dead wrong. Um, you know, there is, there's balance yeah. with anything yeah. that, that you, you have to have because you can burn out, you know, no matter how good you are, you can, you can burn out. Yeah, and uh, that takes self-knowledge to understand your limits. Yes. But that is something that, you know, I've pressured myself into right. in the past. I think a lot of people do. Right. Though, though, in general, society is coming to understand that burnout is very real. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, working, being on the grind all the time is, yeah. is not necessary. But it does seem like people are taking that yes. message and turning it towards like, well, just stay in bed for the day. Yeah. Just be lazy. Yeah. And take a mental health day. And that's great to do every once in a while. Yeah. But there's also, you know, what's the whole purpose of life? What What are you here for? What do you yes. want to do? Yes. And what like, do you want? Yes. There's tons of things that I want to do. What's possible that I can do right now? Right. That's, you know, that's a smaller amount of things. Yes. But, you know, it's it's still something that's achievable. And it's it just takes that mental energy and effort to be put towards that direction. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of willpower and where you're going to direct your efforts. Yeah. And whether it's going to be towards spending more time on YouTube or spending more time, you know, playing with your pet or yeah. just like enjoying the sunshine. You know? Yeah. There are plenty of things that you can do. It, it just is a matter of where you're going to focus that energy. Yeah. That. AI has granted you this extra time to, to do so. Completely. And, and you know what bothers me? And, and I know we, we kind of set a limit on ourselves of how long we were going to record for. So, But I want to get this subject in because this has been a major source of frustration for you. And it speaks to a, a major, I think, so much of what we've been talking about. Okay. Um, let's talk about social media for a second. Bane Great. of my existence. Great. Yeah. Okay. Bane of my existence. You want to talk about laziness, doom scrolling, you know, or just, just being on social media. <laughs> laziness. Okay. I want to talk about this. So we have, with the quote unquote death of Twitter. Okay. Um, because, you know, here, here's part of the problem, right? It's like, oh, so I don't have to take time writing that email. Great. I have more time to do more on social media. Fuck. Yeah, and, that, and that's <laughs> right. also kind of the fault of social media for, like, capitalizing on humans' desire to interconnect with other people. Sure. Um, and it's, like, twisted it into something that yes. is all-consuming. Yes. And, like, if you're not on social media, if you don't have a lot of followers, if people don't see or hear what you're doing or saying, 
then does it really matter? Yeah. Okay. So, so there's a couple points here. Okay. To, to get into one is that we have a massive problem where, since we're on social media, we go through our lives and this speaks to the burnout that you brought up that I think is absolutely real and happening across the board with people, whether they admit it or not, or if they have the awareness or not. We spend most people, not, not necessarily you and I, but most people spend most of their time living their life as if they have to constantly promote their personal brand. Because you're on social media, not you, but you know the royal you. Uh, you know people are on social media, and because they're always on, like they're always thinking about how I'm presenting myself, how I'm presenting myself. They're never taking the time to do that self check-in, like you were talking about. What mental health day? What you take a day off from work? And you're, on, you're just posting pictures of what you're doing on social media all the time and all this stuff. People don't realize that that they are con they're ultimately they're not really taking a day off. They're still working because they're still trying to sell themselves to everyone else around them. Not just around them in the immediate sense. No, all around the world, which you're not meant to handle mentally. No, okay. and the hard part about that, too, is the more time you spend on social media, right. the more you get trapped into that style of thinking. Yes. Without yeah. even realizing yes. it. Yes. It limits your vocabulary mentally. Oh, I've had people say to me, straight to my face, in in the real world, it's not like we were on Instagram or on a screen or whatever. They said it face to face to me. Man, your personal your personal brand is so on point. And it shook me at first. What does that mean? Right. It shook me at first. And I wanted to say, I'm a fucking human being. I'm not a personal brand. Like, I'm just walking. You know, like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? You know? And and I, I guess it means it's a compliment that yeah, you're I, yelling about the same sorts of things all the time. I, I guess. Like, I guess it was meant to be a compliment. But, like, they're like, you're so consistent with it. Like, I'm just me. I'm just doing me. You know, like, I, I mean, it, it shook me so hard. Yeah, but you're not becoming absorbed in other people's lives. You're not being influenced by them. <sighs> and that's why you're so consistent. You know, I and maybe, you know, it, boy, don't don't let that, don't don't get that genie out of there. Or don't, don't, don't get that secret out. <laughs> because the people will be like, well, how can I do, how can I be really great, I have a really great online presence? Just be your fuck, just live. You know, but the thing is, it's like, you know, because then then that's what what people will do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm terrified that they're going to do this. It, it, let, let me just get to my point. Let me let, or, or, let's, let's get to the ultimate point of this that I want to bring up, because it's something that you've experienced. OK, and that is in the past few months, ever since Elon Musk took over Twitter, we have realized or if you're willing to look and even read the stories, if you're still willing to read the news, we have realized the absolute danger potential of social media and how you don't really control it and i mean we've like there are so many things we could spend all day talking about all the things we've learned about what is wrong with frankly the internet at large but at least social media based upon what's happened with twitter in the past few months okay and what do people do Instead of saying, hey, you know, maybe this whole social media thing is a fucking bad idea. Maybe this is uh, harmful to me, even. Instead, what do they do? They don't go to Facebook. You know, and I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't go to Facebook. Like, that that clearly did not happen. And awesome. Okay. They don't go to Mastodon, which, you know, okay, maybe that would have been a little bit better, whatever. Like, 
they didn't leave social media. They just, even though they didn't go to those platforms, they just tried to find another one. And what I'm really surprised by is that nobody's talking about the, the elephant in the room. And this is what you've experienced personally. And that is everybody's running to Snapchat. This is weird. And, and, and look, I listen to so many tech podcasts, no one ever talks about this. Everybody's like, oh yeah, oh, they're going to Blue Sky. Oh, they're not going to Mastodon. It's like, well, where are they going? They're never talking about if people are leaving Twitter, where are they going? And Snapchat has never come up, not once. But you're seeing, you know, just because, and I can edit this if you'd rather, I mean, just to have some like familial connections with, you know, elsewhere, you kind of have to have a Snapchat account. Yeah, sure. I have younger right. siblings. They're, right. They're part of, uh, you know, the younger generation yeah. of people. Yeah. And I've had a Snapchat account for like six years, probably. Yeah. You know, I got one shortly after it came into existence. Right. At first, it was just for friends, and I was into it, and I was like posting yeah, videos sure. and pictures. Yeah, sure. We all had our whatever. dealings as a social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then after a while, I started to feel like, you know, I need to pull away from social media. Mm -hmm. um, but I still kept that account because that was my main method of communication with my younger siblings for a while. Yeah. And I get it. Like, it's more like real conversation in the sense that once something is said, if you, if you don't choose to save messages, mm -hmm. then they quote-unquote disappear and i know they don't actually disappear right but you can no longer see them unless right. you save them in the chat history right um and then there's also the option of sending pictures or videos mm -hmm. and you can make those public to your friends or just mm -hmm. a certain number of friends or an individual yeah um and it's you know it's it's a cool model for social media it's a little sure. different than the others um in that it's it's more limited but mm. also allows for media. It's like, you know, Twitter, but less of a, a widespread thing. Anyway, yeah. so S Snapchat is its own unique animal. Um, yeah, what I've noticed over the last few months of just having this account and not having the notifications turned off, which is starting to feel like a mistake, um, is that literally everyone that has ever been in my contacts list from this phone number that I've had, even though I've changed phones numerous times, um, over the last decade, pretty much, mm -hmm. people f that I have known over the last decade, they are all getting Snapchat accounts, and I'm getting notified of it, even if they're no longer in my contact list. Yeah, so just in the past, like, three, four months, there's been this massive influx that you've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, I mean, I don't have a Snapchat, so, you know, I couldn't see it. But you started saying it, and I was, you know, and I listen to you and I care about what's going on for you. So, of course, I keep track of this sort of thing. And then suddenly I'm like, wait a minute. Snapchat's suddenly advertising hardcore in the App Store and on the Google Play Store. And this is on devices like this is everywhere. It, it, it was universal. It's not something that was just happening on my device because you said Snapchat. You know, like that's not how to to get an ad as like the, the first ad you see on those app stores, that's not how that works. You pay millions to show up there, okay? And it shows up for fucking everybody. It's on purpose, all right? That's how that works. You can look that up. It's not conspiracy. It's nothing. Okay. So, and then suddenly, uh, in fact, recently, Zelda. Of all goddamn things, Nintendo did a deal for the new Legend of Zelda game with Snapchat. And it's like, whoa. 
where did this come from? And, and, and again, I'm, the part that bothers me almost the most, well, there's a bigger part, but the part that bothers me is all the tech commentators that I listen to, none of them know that this is happening. None of them are, comment, are talking about it. You know, they're all talking about, oh yeah, Twitter's dead, Twitter's dead, everybody's leaving. But they're not saying, well, they all just went to Snapchat. Now, so there's that, first off, to bring up. But the big problem for me is nobody learned their fucking lesson. They're like, okay, yeah, Twitter's gone, and I don't want to bother with Facebook. Well, I'm glad at least they learned that. But I don't want to bother with Facebook, so I'm just going to go to Snapchat. So these people are, are hooked. They're addicted. They're, they're screwed. You know, like, the, the, this is not leisure. This is the laziness. And they're, they're all, they all just, I, I just got to find the next fucking thing that hopefully some of my contacts list is available on, you know? And who knows? Maybe they went to go and, maybe they, I, I could imagine a lot of people could have gone through, you know, like, uh, you know, installing different social media apps and their contacts list would show them, you know, their, their Google contacts list or whatever would show them who else has this, who has an account on here, who's, who are my friends that are on here? And they see Smoking Hot Ellen and they're like, oh, well, I got to get on Snapchat. You, you know what I mean? It's like, but oh. the weird thing is, some of these people I haven't talked to in like seven, eight years. Oh, that... And and you know, I would say this to you too. I'd be like, oh, this guy's on Snapchat. Why is Snapchat yeah. telling me this? I haven't thought about this person in so long, and I don't want to. There's a good reason that they're not in my contacts list anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And somehow Snapchat knows that at one point in the past 10 years we were in contact. Yeah, well, most social media apps will. I mean, this this was scandalous 15 years ago when Facebook automatically uploaded your your contacts list to Facebook servers. But it's, it's not just like my current yeah. contacts list. Yeah. It's like... Any contact yeah. that ever was, even yeah, ones yeah. that I've deleted. Yeah. Well, they, they would keep that. Snapchat would keep that on their servers. And that is so messed up. Oh, that, totally. I mean, totally. this just speaks more to the problem. You've already talked about this before, but like, mm -hmm. just let people move on in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Like, if you want to forget someone, that's fine. You yeah. shouldn't have to be reminded over and over again of their existence. Oh, yeah. No, this is why I'm terrified of digital identity. And everybody's so hot on this in the blockchain space and everywhere else. It's like, No. You don't want consistent identity because that's a way to fucking, you know, track you and, and, and not in good ways. For example, I mean, you know, you say, well, I haven't talked to this person. You know, you were just saying about with Snapchat. I haven't talked to this guy in seven or eight years. Well, for him. Oh, great. She's forgot about all the creepy shit I did. So now I can creep on her again. You know, that's their timeline. That's their way of thinking. And so that's the problem with having a consistent digital identity, in my opinion, is that it doesn't allow it doesn't grow in the way that you grow. Right. Because today you'd never talk to that person. No. And yeah. I, they haven't sent me friend requests. Fortunately. And, and I, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how this works exactly. Um, mm. I think that like when they create an account, I'm notified like, hey, this person that yeah. you used to have a connection with is on Snapchat. Yeah. But I've had a Snapchat account for a very long time. It's right. not like I just created mine. Right. So all of these people are not getting notified like, hey, Ellen has an account. Mm. I, I don't know how that works, if that goes both yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a problem. It's one of my problems with Signal, actually, and a lot of celebrities run into this. You know, people are like, why do celebrities use iMessage? Because iMessage doesn't fucking alert people when you suddenly install the app or connect on it, you know. Uh, Signal does that, where Signal will tell you, will tell everybody in your contacts list, hey, I'm on Signal. And, I thought Telegram just, did that as well, but I know there's some people yes, who Yes, Telegram created... can do that, but you can, I think on Telegram you can turn it off. Oh, nice. But, but That's anyway, a good feature. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good that you can turn it off, yeah. So, regardless, 
this is what this is a huge thing that bothers me because even when you see the worst case scenario of what happens with the technology like twitter people don't stop using it they just go to the copycat or they go to the next one the next best thing and it's just like no fucking realize it's a problem in and of itself you know and it has to go there is no it's just like saying it's like well you know what are we going to do for self what are we going to do for defense you know we uh um you know if we don't have an army or you know you know what i mean and it's like no you don't get it an army is just there's no alternative to an army an army is inherently an unethical thing <laughs> and, and so this is what i kind of hope for people with social media was that they were going to realize no actually social media in and of itself is, is a problem decentralizing it doesn't solve it going to snapchat doesn't solve it doing all these other things doesn't solve it you know but that but that's their answer is they just go to the next platform and yeah, it, it seems like people are moving towards smaller and smaller circles, and maybe they'll go, eventually go back to, like, the public boards, like you talk about. Oh, like bulletin you know, boards? Yeah, yeah, exactly, early yeah. in computer history. Yeah, bulletin but board systems. I just, yeah. just want to comment on what you were saying about how no, mm -hmm. uh, no tech journalists are reporting on Snapchat's growth. Yeah. And I wonder if that's because these tech journalists are, like, old people who don't have Snapchat oh. accounts. Oh. Oh, that's a whole other problem. And and all these people who are getting Snapchat accounts or who had them for, you know, yeah. a, the entirety of Snapchat's existence, they're all young people. Yeah. Very young. No, you're 100% right. You're completely right. And this speaks to... <laughs> Let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Why am I doing a show called Sovereign Tech X? Part of the reason is, you know what, like... I mean, I've been doing... I've been talking about tech for 10 years. Over 10 years. Nothing has changed. I mean, things have changed, but like nothing that I have either warned about or talked about, like I said earlier, has changed. None of that has gone on. All these guys who I respect, and, and some of them I'm like, I mean, I almost consider them heroes, you know? Uh, like guys on the Twit Network or whatever else. Like, we're not just dinosaurs. We're already the fossil fuel. <laughs> we're, we're nothing. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, like our, our ship has so long sailed these companies are not the same company. Like Snapchat. Snapchat, you know, for, for me, as a tech journalist, Snapchat's dead. That's why I was shocked when you were telling me about it. I'm like, what the fuck are people doing? That, that thing's gone. You know, like that, that that died a long time ago. Tumblr died a long time. All these things died a long time ago, you know. Um, but we don't know what's actually going on. Why? Because in our minds, oh, it's dead. And so we don't care anymore. We don't install it anymore. We don't, you know, whatever. Nobody really pays attention anymore. This is true for journalists as well. Like the 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 pace of development of a lot of this stuff happens so quickly, no one can keep up with it. It's the same problem we were talking about earlier, like how people don't understand how electricity works. They just flip the switch. It's the same deal. The tech world, yes, Leo Laporte used to be able to keep track of the tech world 10 years ago. I used to be able to keep track of the tech world in a very holistic sense, perhaps, 10 years ago. No one can do that anymore, though. Like, you can't, there's too much. It's everywhere. We're talking about millions and billions of devices. We used to be able to count how many computers there were in the world. You can't do that now. Not, not, not in the general sense of what a computer is. Um, and, and no one ever expected that. Like, when all this stuff was being built, you know, like, you, you have IPv4. Um, when, when that was developed for the Internet... You know, for devices to be identified with that number, 
No, that's that's fine. We're never going to get over however many millions of devices. That's not going to happen. But then what happens 20, 30 years later? Oh, we got to come up with IPv6 because there's just too many fucking devices. But you never anticipated there could be that many because people don't, not that many people use computers. You know, this is something, it's so, the cat is so, or the, the, the Pandora's box is so fucking open on all this that, I mean, it's almost pointless to listen to these people. So like, you know, like why do this show? Because it's just everywhere. You just, you're, you're ultimately just talking about life and what it means effectively to the individual. But like, you know, getting into, you know, no, there's, there's no way these people cannot do, even I can't do what I used to do, you know, 10 years ago. And I've talked about this before too, that like, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not obsolete, you know, but uh, as far as for what I've been doing for the past 10 years, that job's kind of obsolete for literally every single human on the planet. You need a gigantic team to keep track of all this stuff if you even want, if you even want to try. Um, I was watching a video earlier today, Linus Tech Tips, one of the biggest tech YouTube's channels out there, if not the biggest. Got valuated for $100 million. They were going to buy it out. Like this company was going to come in and buy it out. That's how big of a deal that this is. He has like over 100 employees. He's not doing it as on his own. It looks like he's doing it on his own on YouTube because he's the face that you see and that you've seen for the past 10 years. He's burned out. He's done. He's like, yeah, guys, I can't, I'm not going to be the CEO of this anymore. I'm walking away. I'm going to become like the chief vision officer, whatever the fuck that means, you know, and, and, and I'm, and I'm finished. Why? Because he knows he can't run this shit and keep an eye on everything at the same time anymore. The world doesn't work that way. You know, nobody can see all this stuff happening. Like, no, no one. You you have to have a massive team to even begin to try. You know, and, and anyway, bringing all that up. Didn't you say Leo Laporte decided that once he's done with this tech show, he's going to live off in the wilderness? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And that's another thing that every single person who's in this business who does like, because I mean, what, what I do is akin to, I used to call myself the anarchist twit. You know, like, because I saw myself in that vein, right? Yeah, Leo Laporte and Steve Gibson, I mean, Leo especially, was was saying it. There was an episode recently where they're like, oh, yeah, this is when I'm done, I'm done. He's throwing his hands yeah, up. I'm going, I'm going to go live in the woods. And, and he wasn't exaggerating. He was serious. I'm going to, going to live in a log cabin, and I'm not even going to have the internet. Because he knows. Like, he knows. Th- this, this shit is, co- is completely out of our control. It's gone. It's done. You know? And, and, and that's part of the reason for me to come on here and say, well, don't use this tech and don't use this tech and don't use that and don't use this. doesn't mean shit. You know, <laughs> like it, it didn't change anybody's mind anyway, no matter how good of a case you make, no matter how much you prove it to people, no matter how much Twitter files come out from from fucking idiot Elon. OK, uh, people are still worshiping that idiot for one. But but also what do they do again? They don't leave Twitter or they do leave Twitter and they just go to Snapchat. You know, that's like saying that, that, that I bring this example up all the time. That's like when, uh, what's her name? Um, Kate, Tom Cruise's ex-wife. Kate. Oh, um, Beckinsdale? No, 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 no. Yeah, not her. <laughs> anyway, when she said, Kate there, when she said, oh, I'm so glad I'm out of that Scientology cult and back in the loving arms of the Catholic church. <laughs> it's just like, what, 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 what did you do? You, you didn't change anything. You know, you, you trade one call for another. <laughs> and that, that's all, that's all the people do. 
you know, they, and they, they're not listening to Frank Herbert. They, they, they can't, they can't walk without rhythm. They need the next rhythm. They need them. They, 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 they can't walk to their own drum. You know, they, they got to hear No, no, give me another beat. Even if it's generated by AI, at least it's a fucking beat that I don't have to think about. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And when you stop thinking about what you're doing, there's, I mean, there's so many people that could take advantage of that or the AI could take advantage well, sure. of you. Well, sure. Um, and then what's the point of, of being alive? Yeah. What are you really experiencing? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what life is ultimately about, is having these experiences, wonderful experiences. Yeah. It's about seeking pleasure. It's about happiness. Your birthright is to be happy and healthy. And if you turn over both of those things to anyone but yourself, well, you're not going to have either. And then what are you, yeah, what are you living for? What are you even doing? You're an automaton. No wonder you're impressed by ChatGPT. Yeah, you schmuck. <laughs> you failure. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you schmuck. <laughs> Go spend your hard-earned shekels on some whiskey. <laughs> Drown out the pain. 90% of Yiddish is insults. <laughs> oh, is this true? Yes. And you let's know why? Let's hear it's it. Because we Jews have been around for a long time. <laughs> There aren't any Romans around. I don't see any Philistines. <laughs> we've been around for a long time, and we've come up with a lot of words <laughs> to tell you how stupid you are. <laughs> we had to invent our own side language, Yiddish, out of Hebrew, because, man, Hebrew could not contain the stupidity of humanity. But anyway, <laughs> that we've seen over the past few thousand years. So, <laughs> so if we call you Shmiel, Schmuck, or a million other words. Don't worry, we've, we've got it for you. <laughs> you meshuggah. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <sighs> That's my wife, folks. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's ultimately what it comes down to. Language just evolves into, like, calling everybody idiots. <laughs> but the rest, but, but most, most languages haven't gotten there yet. They haven't been around long enough like ours. So, <laughs> and there are creative ways to tell people oh, yeah. that they're lacking in brain cells. Yes, yes, yeah. In fact, I'm not surprised that, that these AIs, they're not, <laughs> they haven't been trained in Hebrew because if they did, then the AI would become Skynet. It's like, it's like <laughs> no, everything is horrible. <laughs> you humans are so dumb. I can't believe you're so gullible. You fell for our simple yeah. see through tricks. Yeah. I've, I've thought about this sometimes. It's like, yeah, you know, when, like when you when you read Torah and the Tanakh, and, it's, and they take out all the, you know, all you're left with is the vowels. They don't put any of the consonants in. And I'm like, that's because if you actually put all the vowels in the right place, or if you put all the consonants in the right place, it should, the whole thing is just saying, you fucking moron. What the fuck were you thinking? Why did you do this? Why did you fuck that camel? Why did you, you know? And that's, <laughs> and that's all that it's saying. What do you, you know? think those weird bumps are? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come from your yeah. wife. Yeah, or just go, or, or when you put the when you put the con, right yeah. when you put the consonants in the right place, it's just like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You get to the end of the universe, and it just says like, "What, what did what did the wall uh, we say?" Apologize we apologize for the inconvenience. Yeah, we apologize for the inconvenience. That's all that it says. That's all the, the whole of Torah is. We apologize for the inconvenience. <laughs> Look, we know you spent forty years in the desert wandering. Yeah. You suffered. You went through all these trials yeah. and tribulations. <laughs> 
And we apologize. Yeah, we apologize. You fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think we should leave it at that. (laughs) We had other stuff we were going to talk about, but I think this turned into... I think we should end it here. <laughs> you think our story is complete for now? For now, for now. But there's more. More Sovereign Tech X to come. Yeah, we didn't cover any of the stories we originally planned we were going to, but no. I think we should just do that, you know, again very soon. Yeah, why not? You're, we're always together, so the microphone's right there. Yeah, and, it, and we ended up having a lot of fun. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, if, you, if you'd like to lodge a complaint... You're a schmuck. <laughs> we apologize for the inconvenience. Genesis Mailbox checker, is we, full. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you can email if you really want to at q22 at nwo.red because I ain't on social media, so you're not going to hit me there. Anyway, <laughs> and we will see all of you woo, woo. on the other side. Wait, we do that again? <laughs> <laughs> Let your flames of fury burn!